Hey man, uh, it was a great week last week, and uh, it ended up that, uh, what was it, man? We went out, man, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, Tuesday had a bunch of people paddle boarding. It was a beautiful day that day. Some of y'all went on that. Uh, Wednesday, we were out in the boat. We had two boats, 17 people, and two dogs. That was a good time, right? And uh, saw a bunch of dolphins and stuff, same thing with paddle boarding. And then Thursday, we had kind of a little trip planned and some people canceled, but I'd also invited other people. And so we went out again on Thursday and it was a beautiful day again. And uh, so uh, it was great for those of you that had to work uh, in an office or somewhere, I am sorry. And if you ever want to do something on the weekend, give me a shout. Maybe on a Sunday, Saturday morning or something, we can go play. Uh, when it starts getting light later in the, in the year, you know, we start... Uh, days start getting a little bit longer like they're doing now. Maybe we can even do some stuff on Sunday afternoons out there. But all you got to do is twist my arm for Jesus, man. And Captain Mac, same thing, right? Just twist your arm for Jesus. And, and, and then Thursday, I think, and same thing with Bill. Bill, you guys had some folks uh, take off right out of here and go up to Mandy Pocket and go have some uh, lunch together and hang out. And, and on the boat, what's that word we call it? Fellow what? Fellowship, because fellowship's a couple fellers on a ship. And uh, I don't know about you, but when you're on a ship with somebody, you're on a boat, man, you share everything. And th including things you don't want to always share. Right, Miss Caroline? Oh, sometimes, sometimes, and it, especially if the preacher preaches on it. So, uh, but anyways, uh, it was a good day. It was a good week, and I was thinking about it a lot. And, and, I, and this week, it looks like uh, it's going to get windy. I'm going diving with some folks tomorrow, but Tuesday looks like thunderstorms, but Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday look like open good days. If you have the hankering or the desire to go do something, give me a shout. And, uh, and I already think we're going on the boat Wednesday, if that's good with you guys, all right? So uh, we'll be doing that, and you just need to text me and let me know, and we'll be good. But uh, if you've ever gone paddleboarding with me, uh, how many of y'all ever gone paddleboarding with me? All right? And how many of you have ever gotten the proverbial paddleboard lesson? All right, yeah, you got the paddleboard lesson. You, some of you could probably give it by, by heart now, you know it. But uh, what we tell you, as soon as you stand up on the paddleboard, the most stable a board is going to be is when it's moving, right? Hey, so Morgan, if you were to take your surfboard, as nice as your big old, how big's your board? What's your new board? Eight six. That's a beautiful board. And, and you've got plenty of stability when you're riding waves and everything, right? What if you just took it in a swimming pool and tried to stand on it? It'd probably sink, you'd probably fall off, it would be a lot less stable. The most stable a board is, is when it's really moving. So that's why we tell you, as soon as you get up on the board, don't try to balance it all out. As soon as you get up, get your hand on the paddle and get the board moving. Your paddle's going to be all your stability you have. Now we talk about a couple of different strokes. There's the chill stroke. Everybody just say, chill. Yeah, not chill. You know, that's how some people chill, right? How many of y'all are a chill chiller? How many of y'all would admit you're a chill chiller? Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, chill, man. Just kind of relax. You know, have full Z out. The paddle goes like this. You're not clawing away. It's not intense. It's just nice and mellow, man. So stick your paddle in. Get your hand down around your chest and use your big muscles. Just push your shoulder and just push and you're just doing the chill stroke and you're just kind of moving around. And that's what you do when you have no current or the current's going with you or you're not going against the wind and it's pretty chill, all right? And so, you know, that's what you're doing. You paddle on the right side, you gently kind of go to the left and, and, and if you want to go in circles, just keep doing that. But most people want to switch, so we switch hands, all right? And, and you just kind of keep chilling, you know? You switch and switch. And, and you're gently going to the left, to the right. I tell people if you want to go in a hurry, 
to the right instead of paddling faster on the left, which is going to take you in the bushes you don't want to go in. Instead, just stick the paddle on the right side behind you and just dig in and lay in. It'll slow your board down and turn you. Because if you try to muscle your way through something that requires some finesse, you're going to end up in the mangroves. And in the mangroves, um, there's these little critters. What are they? Anybody remember? They're like little, little ma red mangrove crabs, right? And those red mangrove crabs, the only place you'll find them. They have eight legs, so they're related to who or what? Spiders, yeah. And so if you get you hit those bushes hard, dude, you're going down in there, and I'm like, oh, you're going spider hunting, crab hunting. And you go in there, and as soon as you hit, they jump out and they land on the back of your neck. And, uh, and don't worry, they don't want blood or anything, not like howler monkeys and stuff, but they just want, all they want is some dead skin. So they're hanging out on the back of your neck, Maddie. They just fall on the back of your neck right there and they get through your hair and, and they get there and start eating dead skin. And oh my goodness, the adrenaline rush. You can't get an adrenaline rush any other way than that, for, except for having those crabs eating the skin off the back of your neck. But instead of freaking out, panicking, I always tell people, act cool, man. Act like you meant to do it. And just kind of like gently, calmly grab one of those crabs, Gene, right? And just say, oh, honey, look at the crab I found. Hey, you, you're trying to tell me she would not do that? She would not be chill. Oh, she would dive in the water. And you would drown the poor crab. Man, no wonder all the crabs are deaf now. Oh, my goodness, from you guys screaming. But, but you just kind of nice and chill, grab it. But next time, instead of paddling that way, just kind of do it the right way. Slow it down and finesse your way through life like that. Now, there are times where, um, man, it is howling. There's times where you've got to go against the current. You've got to go against the wind. We had one of those this week, right, Carol? Um, this week on, uh, who was out there on, on, uh, Tuesday with us out there on Tuesday, Bill, yep. You were out there. You're, uh, uh, your buddy here today. No, yeah, no, but, but we were out there on Tuesday and we had to go against the current both ways and we had wind going against us, man. And so I always tell people, you gotta put a little butt into it. Okay. Cause every stroke you take is going to be a long, deep, slow stroke. No Fred Flintstone in. That just wastes energy when you're doing that, man. And so you stick your paddle in, get it down deep, and, and instead of using your shoulder to push, and you definitely don't want to pull with these arms, what you want to do is you want to lean forward. Use your core. Use your core and lean forward and go deep. And since you want to go deep here, it looks like a little squat crunch. So this is what it looks like when the wind's carrying you and your paddling seems to be of no effect. You got to dig deeper. You gotta go hard, you gotta use bigger muscles. And don't be jealous if your core ain't as big as mine, because you just don't do it as much as I do, all right? So it's it's gonna take you a while to get there, all right? But uh, but literally you have to really dig deep when you're going against the wind and you're going against the current. And in fact, not only do you have to dig deep, but when you're going against the wind and the current, you almost have to switch each time. There's times when we're in the backcountry and we're just mellow out, like, oh, whatever, you know, and it's nice and mellow. How many of y'all have ever had times of life like that where it's just chill, right? You're doing the chill stroke, right? That's life. We're just chilling, man. Life's good. Y'all been never chilling, man? And then all of a sudden, God throws you a storm, right? He throws you some current, throws you some wind. Now, I want you to know it does come from God, and he can use all kinds of things to make it all happen, including some of you. How many of y'all have been used by the devil to be a storm in somebody's life? Yes, you have, every one of you, when you've gone against God. We've all been used that way. He uses the world system that we live in, and he has chaos that he creates. And we're going to talk about some of that today. But all of a sudden, man, how many of y'all have ever experienced where you're just chilling in life? Life is so good. 
It's so good. And all of a sudden, <sighs> victory at sea, man. And you are having to give it everything you've got. Anybody been there? Amen. Anybody there right now? I know some of y'all, I'm praying for you hard. Because right now you're in the middle of it. And it's so important that you paddle the correct way. It's so important that you use your big muscles. It's so important that you dig. No Fred Flintstone and no shallow Christian life, man. You're going deep. And you're, and you're putting everything you've got into it. And you know what happens, man, when you get going, man, and you got to keep switching sides. You know what each side is? This side here is, what do you want me to do now, God? What happens if all I did was paddle on this side? What do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now, God? Bob, what's, what am I going to do? I'm going in circles, right? Okay, what if all I'm doing is, I'm doing this for you, God. I'm doing this for you. But you never ask him what to do. What, what's it, what are we doing? Going in circles again. So, man, when you're going against the current, when life gets tough, it's, what am I doing now, God? And I'm doing it. What do you want me to do now, God? Doing it. And what happens if you stop paddling? You guys were out kayaking yesterday. I saw your beautiful pictures. Hey, Chris, what happens if you're going against the current, going against the wind, and you stop paddling? You're, yeah, if, yeah, you are. No, that's, you're going somewhere. You don't just stop. That's what we think sometimes. You are, yeah, yeah. When you're Fred Flintstone and kind of acting, you're in the middle of a storm and you're trying to act like that you're chilling, dude, then you go nowhere and you waste all your energy. But if you stop paddling, you go backwards. And when you start going backwards in that vessel, what do you lose? Control. You lose control, man. You start going backwards. You lose control. You start spinning. And all of a sudden, it's like, what are you going to do next? Fall in. <laughs> And then if you fall in, what do you do after that? Scream, Gene, right? But then what do you do after that? You grab your board as graceful as you can. You get back on the board and don't make the same mistakes again. So the game plan is when you get thrown into a tough situation is don't quit paddling. Don't quit paddling. And don't paddle on one side. What do you want me to do? Develop faith and we really grow closer to him and we get stronger through those storms. And if we've made it through a few of those, I'm going to reiterate a little bit. But the context of 1 Peter is uh, for Peter dominating his message to uh, the people that he's been to, which were born again believers. So and we started saying, you know, at the beginning, guys, there's some persecution. Here's what I said there's persecution three months ago. Because we are fish living in what kind of world? Chicken world. We're a fish that lives in a chicken world. Right? You smell like fish if you smell like Christ, right? And the more you smell like Christ, the more you smell like fish, right? Okay, how many of y'all cannot stand the smell of fish? How many of y'all have that? You know, okay? So so you, what's, what's your name? I didn't get a chance to introduce myself. I, 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 do I know you guys? Good. Tony and Michelle and you fish, right? And there's some people. Raise your hand again if you were like Michelle and you can stand the smell of fish. I know my hand's wife is up, right? So when you can't stand the smell of fish, oh my goodness, what happens when somebody who smells like fish comes around you? You don't want to be, you either want to spray them down with some like non-fish Lysol, man. You want to like purify them. You want to clean them up. You want to get away from them, whatever. Well, as Christians, the more we look like Christ, the more you think I could find some encouragement if I found another believer. Charlie, you think I'd find encouragement if, if I'd walk by Chris and know there's a believer. Have you felt like you're the one on the one out there? And there's encouragement in it. So what they do is take a stand on their foot. They would draw that half circle. And then this other guy then, you know, kind of in the lips, a half a wine, he, he would draw the other half and it would look like a fish. 
Because that's where we get the fish symbol for Christianity, because it's an a Greek acrostic for ichthys. Ichthys is the word for fish. And if you go back, you can Google it. I think they'll still tell you that maybe. If not, go to go to DuckDuckGo. They'll probably still tell you too. Somebody will. But it's Jesus. It's an acrostic for Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior. That's what the ichthys is, and that's why we have the fish. So it's it's just fitting that we as Christians are like fish, and that's why the world hates it. The world loves chicken. You know, you get that? The world loves chicken. The world's chicken to stand for God because you need God's grace to be able to stand for God. I'm not going to do it that way. That way's not going to work. I, I can't. And, and so the world's chicken. But if you love chicken, you hate the smell of fish. Hey, y'all used to work at not be too offensive. But you know, the defense is on this planet. The more offensive, the world's going to find you. There's going to be persecution. And we are going to be there soon. Oh, just like that. And, but our home is heaven if you're a born-again believer. That's what doesn't always so. We came to this world as a sinner. The end of God. That's what scripture says. I don't care what nurse say. And what do-gooding people say. Who are trying to preach heaven in the world. We're born with a nature to sin. There's not one righteous. Nobody does right. Nobody seeks God. If you do right things, the only reason you're doing any right things is because it's going to bring you value in society. But it's not because you're glorifying God. And that's how we're there. And if that's how we live life, we've got a free one-way trip to hell. How many of y'all want a free one-way trip to hell? Anybody? <laughs> no. But you came in the world with it until the red. The red is when Christ came into your life. You didn't seek him. You didn't desire him, especially to glorify him, until he gave you grace and gave you faith. He gave you the desire and ability to surrender everything you knew about yourself to everything you knew about him, believing that you needed a sacrifice that was worthy enough to cover your sins. Because you couldn't cover your sins. You tried. Man, you tried covering them up, but they, they couldn't be covered up. Blood across them up. How many of you like to experience? Yeah, death will sting, bro. It's gone. Death is green as we live. Broken. That's okay. How many y'all say broken? <laughs> your flesh is broken. But when we live in this broken world, but we live with his presence, we live with his power, we live with his perspective, man, then we, we do things his way and it doesn't look like it's going to work. And when it does, people say, how did that happen? How's your business happen? Like God is doing it. When they get grace, we give them what God gives them in the fact that we grow. We grow in love with him. And I don't love God. All of us need here, right? Now, I want to get a necklace like this. <laughs> we have sisters, man. But man, this is what we're here for. This is what we're here for. And if we get our job confused, man, this world's going to get difficult. What if your job is to make a lot of money in this next coming economy? Is that going to be easier or harder? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be harder because, I mean, and again, I'm not getting political. I mean, you just look at the platforms, bottom line, it's going to get harder. What if your job, what, what if your job is to live more godly is it going to get harder or easier in this world? What if your job is to be more successful, to be more popular, to be more, all these different things? It's going to get harder. Whatever you think your job is, aside from making disciples, it's going to get harder. It is. It's what the world. But the fact is, if you remember that our job is to make disciples, if you're going to be easier. With the flashlight. <laughs> There's nobody wandering out, especially here, a pack of coyotes out there. Have y'all heard coyotes out there? Have you heard that? Hey, what's that like, Scott? <laughs> if put. It'll put goosebumps on goosebumps, man. And you know what? Like that little flashlight's gonna save you from them coyotes. But you know, but but guess what? Everybody comes to the light. 
You are your people. That's why people less spiritually mature than you. Let me see your hand. You know, there's somebody less spiritually mature. How many don't know if you're spiritually mature? Watch these elders. Yes, it's about the pastors. And the pastor's job is to equip the saints. So the bottom line, we can all apply. If you're more mature than somebody that you're with spiritually, man, you, you lead them. You do it right. You show them what it looks like. If you are less mature than somebody, then follow one this morning. Everything else works out. Look what he says and said. So I pray for it. And I well as a particular in the glory that is going to be revealed. Because Peter was at the transfiguration. He kind of says, up who is. He says, if our elders are mature, right there. Shepherd. Shepherd the father. If you're more spiritually mature than somebody, then man, shepherd down. When you're shepherd down, there's leading cow, or what's the difference between cows and sheep? Hey, Rena, what's the difference between taking care of cows and taking care of sheep? How, how do you get sheep to move? Yeah. The sheep. Yeah, and, and they sheep follow. What do you guys do for cows, though, man? You know, I should go. Jesus loves you. I don't care for you very much, but no, I'm just joking. But literally, isn't that where we're at? We should really be feeling, man. What an opportunity God has put this person. Maybe they're being a jerk because they had a bad day. Any of you all ever be a jerk because you had a bad day? I love, why do you yeah, I love you? But I gave me a bit of love you, so I love you. I really do love you. That blows people away when you say that. I know because I do tell people that. And they're like, you really do love me. I'm like, yeah, I can't help it. God's given me the desire and ability to love you. But I've been such a, you know what? I love you. So, man, he says, don't do it under you need to go see it. It's a cool old movie, but on the beginning, they got this old doorman up in New York City back in the day, and he's there opening the door for all washing their feet. Because Jesus said the greatest leader is going to be the greatest what? Servant. Yeah. He said, yourself all humility towards one another, for God opposes the, but gives grace. Oh, we talked about that a lot last week. So listen to this, because we're going to hit another version of this. He says, since God's warfare is by. that way in lacrosse, too? You got to be watchful. What do you got to watch for in lacrosse? All of that. You got to watch for the ball. And what's that ball made out of in lacrosse? Is it hard? Does it hurt? Yes, you got to watch for the ball. See, I just learned about lacrosse, man. I'm an expert now. Google says so. But I'm joking. But everything in life, we're watchful. How many of y'all ever went to many defensive driving classes? So many you weren't allowed to go anymore. I'm not, we're not going there. But. Yeah, and what, are they, what is defensive driving? It's being watchful of what other people are going to do. He said, be clear-headed and be watchful over the most important thing there is to be clear-headed and watchful for. Look what he says is the most important thing for you to be clear-minded, in balance, and watching for your adversary. What does the word adversary mean? Enemy. Enemy. Yeah. Yeah, it actually means accuser. We think of all these things that the enemy does to us, but do you know he's always accusing us of stuff? And Gene, you know most of the time what he accuses you of, you're actually guilty of? Ooh, <laughs> he doesn't even have to lie. How many of y'all know the devil does not have to lie when he accuses you to accuse you of something bad? Yeah, we still do stuff. But he stretches it, he messes it up. And again, when he accuses us, who does he accuse us to? Hey, who does he accuse us to? And, and when he accuses us of Christ, what does Christ say? Yeah, I saw that, but I already paid for it. I already took care of it. He's my kid. I'll take care of him and get him in line. But he's not going to be condemned for it. So he says, be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, the devil, there he is. He's for real. Some people don't believe in the devil. They don't believe he exists. He does. 
And he is an adversary. Now, I'm going to tell you what the devil is not. The devil is not omniscient. He does not know everything. So does the devil know what you're thinking? No, not until it comes out of your big mouth. You know? Does, uh, is he, is he uh, omnipotent? Does he have all power? No. His power is totally subject to who? God. So the only way the devil can do anything to you is if who gives him permission? Man, why would God give the permission, give the devil permission to do anything to me? Because I need it. <laughs> Go ask Job. Go look in scripture. Go ask Peter. Because Peter even told Jesus, Jesus even told Peter on the night when he was betrayed, he said, devil wants your soul. He wants to sift you. He wants to mess with you. And wouldn't it have been nice for Jesus to say, yeah, and I told him to leave you alone. But what did, the de what did Jesus tell the devil? Have at it. Have at it. And he told Peter, Peter, the devil's coming after you, so you need to stay really close to me. Peter, you need to, do, you need to stay focused and vigilant. You need to stay on track so that when the devil comes, I'm already telling you the devil's coming after you because I gave permission. And when he does, you're going to need my strength. You're going to need my perspective. You're going to need my presence. You're going to need all of that. And he said, so stay focused. But when Peter heard those words, what did Peter say? You remember? Remember on the night when he was betrayed? What did Peter say? Yeah. Oh, no way. No way, God. You're lying. <laughs> no way. I'm not. He's not coming after me. No way. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, omniscient, omnipresent, said, I gave the devil permission to go after you so you, it would draw you closer to me. Peter said, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's one of the first problems we have. Understand this can happen, but but listen, man. If 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 pressure, if this is you and this is and this is Christ, and pressure doesn't get between you, what does it do? It draws you closer. It pushes you closer together, so nothing can get between. But when you let that pressure, that temptation, you let that evil get between you and God, what does it do? It separates you, makes you farther apart. Hey, I'm going to tell you something I learned, man. Uh, prayer, Karen. Whenever you're praying, you've got your little list. I don't know if this works with you, but uh, when you are all praying and you're like, oh, God, you want to really be focused and you're praying in the morning and you're praying for something and then you all of a sudden get reminded of something you got to do later. Has that ever happened to anybody? You, and then you say, get focused again and you're reminded of something else and all of a sudden now you're distracted again. Does anybody get distracted when they're praying? That was so frustrating when I was a young Christian and I'm in seminary and I'm asking the professor, I'm like, I, I've got this list of things and people I'm praying for. And, and every time I'm praying, my little ADD mind just kind of gets wandering off about things I got to fix. And I'm afraid if I don't remember them and think about it, I'm going to forget it and all of this. And he said, you know what you do? He said, keep a little pad of paper next to you. I've shared this with some of you before. Keep a pad of paper next to you. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you got to go have that meeting day. I said, oh, I write it down. And I thank who? God. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me of that. I go right back to praying. I get distracted again. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for not letting me forget that. And if it's the devil and Jesus is getting credit, what does the devil do? Right he leaves. <laughs> he leaves. He hates for Christ to get the credit. <clears throat> he said, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil... He's for real. He prowls. What do you think? What uh, Nate? What do you think of when you think of the devil prowling? 
lurking, creeping. You know, because he doesn't have you for eternity. So you know what he, what would he like to do with your life right now? He'd like to mess you up. He's prowling around. So, so when you think of him prowling around, you know, he's in, he's, he's, he's hiding. He's not making himself obvious. He's kind of prowling around, looking around, and, and he's not omniscient, so he doesn't know what you're thinking. He does know human nature very well and sociology very well. He knows what bait to generally dangle in front of people's faces to get them to get distracted and go off. But we even learned when we talked about the armor of God about the stand against the wiles, the methodology of the enemy. He's got a specific plan for you because how long has he been watching you, Ann? Your entire life. He's been watching your entire life. Bob, now I know you don't have her totally figured out, but do you have some things figured out about her? Oh, yeah. So and how long have you been watching her? Several years. Several years, right. But do you think you would know more if you've been watching her whole life? You'd know a little more what makes her tick, especially if you paid attention to her. I'm not saying you don't, but remember Charlie said it's Valentine's Day, all right, bro? I'm just saying, but, but literally, he's been watching you. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. He's none of those things. He does have demons, and they're all checking things out. Got quite an elaborate system, but they're all under God's control, but he's been watching you. So he's got to figure it out. That's why we put on that armor of God. He's prowling around looking for an opportunity. Jimmy Garland, playing football again. We know if you're just like standing up, down, stand up one, and you stand up, you're down. What if you're in a three-point stance right against somebody who says, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. What, what do you do? Down, set, hut, and then you run the other way. Or, or, or down, set, hut. What do you do? You go at it. You go at it and you stand firm. You stand with steadfastness. You stand with everything you've got until it's over because it doesn't last forever, which is what we're looking at here. He says, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Hey, what does it mean when it says like? Hey, Johnny, when it says like, what does like mean? What's that? Similar to. You know the word I like to use? Imitation. Isn't that what he's going to try to do with the Antichrist when he has a person he empowers as the Antichrist? He's going to have somebody kind of like Christ. Isn't that why he got kicked out of heaven? Because he had to take all this glory and give it to God. And he's like, you know, I just want to be, I want a little of that myself. Go read about Isaiah. He wants some of it. He wants some of that glory. He always is the imitator of God. But he can't fully imitate him because he doesn't have God living in him. You know who can imitate God? Hey, Judy, oh, what, what, Chris, who can imitate God? We can, because he's living in us. But I wonder if the devil sometimes is doing a better job without Christ living in him than we are with him living in us. Because that's his goal. That's his aim. That's what he's trying to do. And so it says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Hey, uh, there's a roaring lion, and, and what would be another kind of lion? A, a what? Prowling? Okay, got a prowling line, but all right, I, I should give you better clues if I'm... A what? Okay, yeah, he's, he's running around, he's lying around, and he's prowling and everything. Oh, how about a feeding lion? How about a feeding... How many of y'all would be... Uh, how many of y'all would rather encounter a roaring lion or a feeding lion? How many of y'all want the roaring lion? Okay, how many of y'all want the feeding lion? No. The feeding lion means he's got teeth. 
You're an analyst. You're weird anyway. All right, I'm just messing with you. Yes, Scott. No. You're there. If, we're, if, if it's the devil uh, and he's after me, all right, so here we go. Let me clarify it. You're an analyst. I had to give you more details. Sorry. All right. If you are encountering a lion that is going to come after you, would you rather him be roaring or actually have the ability to feed on you? Just roaring. Yeah, good, 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 good. I gave you enough detail. Yeah, a roaring lion. Look what he is. He's not a feeding lion. You know what it says in Colossians? It says he lost his teeth at the cross. Amen. Amen. Christ disarmed all the principalities, all the powers. He has no authority. He's not a feeding lion with teeth. He's a grandpa lion. He ain't got no teeth. <laughs> you know your grandpa shark? All right, but this grandpa shark, he ain't got no teeth. So if he ain't got no teeth, what can he do to you? He can't hurt you. But he sure is good at getting us to hurt him, hurt ourselves. That's what the problem is. He's a roaring lion. He's not a feeding lion. Listen, there was a guy, Miles Stanford, I want to say. I've shared this before, but Miles Stanford, back in the day, turned, uh, one of the turns of the centuries, you know, back when they used to sail ships across the ocean, that was the only way to get there back and forth and all that. And he had an illustration about uh, how when we get on a ship, we, our life is like getting on a ship and we're crossing the ocean. And when we get on the ship, the devil's our captain, which is what Roman says. The devil is your captain. And you listen. He controls you. He can get you to do things. You live for him. You live for yourself, but you're really living for him. But at some point in time, when God gives you the desire and ability to surrender yourself to him and you get born again and saved, who's your new captain? Christ is your new captain. And what does Christ do with the old captain? He takes him, chains him up, throws him below deck, and he's got him chained up in jail. Let me ask you a question. Can the devil do anything to you right now? Does he have any authority over you? No authority. He don't even have teeth. All he can do is roar. That's all he can do. But man, have you ever heard a lion roar? That's kind of scary, isn't it? It's pretty formidable. How many of you hear a lion roar you don't want to stick around long enough to find out if he's got teeth? That's kind of where we're at with this. That's why scripture tells us he doesn't have teeth. That all he's doing is he's roaring. So Miles Stanford said the old captain gets chained down below deck in a, in a jail cell. And so he can't physically do anything to us. And in fact, we, he can't do anything, uh, even yell at us or anything where we can hear as long as we stay on deck with who? With Christ. You stay on deck with Christ, you stay in the light, you don't even have to hear the enemy that's down there. And at the end of your life, God's going to permanently get rid of him. But until then, he can be barking out orders down below deck. So let me ask a question. You go down below deck on your own. Go down deck, Ryan, go down deck, uh, below deck on your own. Here, you're up here on deck listening to your new Captain Jesus, but you decide to venture out with some folks or whatever and go down below deck. Can the devil hurt you there? Not physically. But what he can do is he can bark out some orders. And how persuasive do you think he is? Do you think from that jail cell he can say things to you that are so convincing that you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you go and you do it. You act upon a lie because you're deceived. Do you think the one whose middle name is deceiver has the power and ability to deceive you? So what would be the best thing to do? Not go down below deck. Stay above deck where Christ wants you. Now when Christ sends you below deck, how do you successfully go down below deck and not get deceived? 
<laughs> Take Christ with you. Yeah, he's with us. And, and, and so how do we, yeah, that's an awesome answer, Gary. And we take him with us with the word of God and the Holy Spirit that lives. In other words, when you have to go down below deck, when you are in enemy territory, how much of your guard can you let down? None of it. You have to be vigilant. You have to be sober. You have to be alert. You have to be focused, realizing what his game plan is. But you remember what your captain's game plan is and what he wants you to do. And you stay focused on him. You have everything you need. Matthew 6, You hear me say it all the time. Seek first. Seek always. Seek only. The kingdom of God. If you're only seeking that, you can't be seeking anything else. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what is added to you? Everything. everything including the ability to not be deceived. You have to be so sober-minded and watchful when Jesus sends you below deck. But when you go to live for him, is he ever going to send you below deck? Yeah. Morgan, you ever get sent below deck? Every time you go witness, you do. Every time we go out into the world, we get sent down below deck. And it's dark down there, so we got to be holding on to that light. We got, and we, we've got him with us, but we got to make sure he's the dominant force. He's the dominant voice we're hearing, the dominant thought pattern we have. We can't be misled like in the armor of God we learn. We get easily misled by our feelings and our thoughts and our desires. That's why the armor of God covers those things. The word of God and his truth covers all that up and protects us. Gary, what an awesome point, man. We got to take him with us. You ain't got no choice but to take him with you, do you? But have any of y'all ever had Jesus with you and Jesus saying, nope, don't do that. Nope, don't do that. And you're like, oh, I got it. I got it. Any of y'all ever violated God? Him telling you, no, don't do this. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyways. When you're below deck with the master deceiver, the master liar, you can't afford that. That's what Peter's saying is you want to get messed up, get careless. You got an adversary, your enemy. He's an attacker, the devil. He's prowling around waiting for you to have a weak moment. But he's like, not even, he's not the lion. Who's the lion of Judah? That's Jesus. When, 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 yeah, when Judah's dad was giving out blessings, that's what he said, the Messiah's coming from you. You're the Lion of Judah. Even the Rastas have tried to take over the Lion of Judah. He's not. Jesus is the Lion of Judah. He prowls around like a roaring lion, but all he can do is roar, right? His teeth were removed at the cross. Don't you forget that. Seeking someone to do what? Devour. You stay away from the cage, can you get devoured? No, dude. Like, the girl who puts super glue, or gorilla glue in her hair. How many of y'all are like, oh, I would have made the same mistake. That was just so horrible. They should put a warning label. How many of y'all thought that? There's some mercy people. Come on. How many of y'all thought, like, dude, what are you thinking? How many of y'all had a what were you thinking thought? Yeah. Gorilla glue in your hair. That's like the person who's at the zoo and they jump in the lion cage because, oh, I wanted to pet the kitty. What are you thinking? <laughs> No! That's what Peter's telling us. So let me ask you a question. Did Peter, could he have ever been accused of jumping in the lion's cage and petting the kitty? Yeah. He's saying, dude, it don't feel good. Learn from my mistakes. Learn from my mistakes. So he said, man, this lion, the roar, like a lion, that all he can do is roar, can still do a lot of damage if you listen. Seeking someone to devour him. Um, devour. 
the little dog cookies and stuff you make, do, do animals devour those? Yeah, they devour them. Otherwise, you'd have no repeat business, right? What does it mean to devour something? Okay, so how many of you have somebody in your family that when they eat food, it could be considered devouring? Yes, you have a whole family full of devourers, right? How many of y'all live with nibblers? <laughs> Anybody live with nibblers? <laughs> yeah, they're like, mm. it's like, just give me that, <laughs> you know? Savor it. They told me my whole life, savor it. I am. I'm trying to get more flavor in my mouth by packing my mouth full of it. Nibble, that's not enough flavor. I need 20 of those cookies in my mouth to, uh, to really feel the uh, experience of flavor. That's just between a nibbler and a devourer. So when he calls Satan a devourer, Dustin, when he calls Satan a devourer, what does that tell you, man? What does Satan want to do? He, want, he wants to dominate you, man. He want, he's not trying to play games with you. If he's playing games, he's trying to get you out, get you closer to the cage, get you out from under your protection. His goal is ultimately to devour you, but he can't devour you unless you allow him to devour you because God's not going to allow him to devour you. But God is going to allow him to test you. But it's for your own good. Almost done here. Seeking someone to devour. Look what we're supposed to do. What does this say? What's the first word? Resist. Resist. Yeah. Resist him. Okay? So when you have somebody trying to get you to violate God's principles, what's your solution? What do you do? Yeah. Don't do it. So again, it's not like you're resisting flesh and blood. We're already told that. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13 told us before we've studied that verse that said there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, he'll make a way to escape. So what you're focusing on in this, when it says resist him, he's trying to get you to escape this way, and God wants you to escape this way. So when you're resisting the devil, you're resisting the way he wants you to go, and you're going the way Christ wants you to go. So the best way to fight the devil is to follow Christ, as we looked at. I'm not one of, that's looking for a devil on every corner. I'm looking for Christ, and if I'm busy following Christ then when I do encounter the devil, I just have to be more diligent in following him because I can only follow one person at a time. And the devil wants you to follow his way. And his way is any way but Christ's way. But if I'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'm following Christ, and I'm following him, I don't have to worry about the attacks of the enemy. The best way to fight the devil is to follow Christ. He said, resist him. Firm in your faith. That word is steadfast. Yesterday, Keone had to go through. Did any of y'all go to the Pirate Festival yesterday in Fort Pierre? You guys were the night before. I saw you taking that picture with that mermaid. And Good thing it was a couple days before Valentine's Day, but that's all right. But No, that's all right. But uh, Keone, one of his clues, he had to go and he had to get a pirate name from one of the pirates. And, uh, and the pirate, it was funny because as I was studying this, I thought about it. You know what this pirate name was? Steadfast. The pirate, I just thought, how prophetic, man. That's how I'm going to pray for that little boy. The pirate said, your pirate name is Steadfast. And it was just like, I backed up like, oh my goodness, I've been studying this. And that's what it is. Would that not be the most awesome pirate name to have is Steadfast? Being Steadfast. What does it mean? Uh, Captain Matt, what does Steadfast mean? You can't be firm. Yeah, you can't be moved. 
You, you're, you're standing. You're there. You're, you're in. Yeah, you can't be pushed around. You're standing for what's right. And so that's what he says. He said, resist him. By don't go his way, go the right way. Stand firm in your, don't be moved. Don't even, t hey, let me ask you a question. Are we supposed to talk to the devil? You show me scripture where we can, we're supposed to talk to the devil? In fact, who's one lady at the beginning of time that talked to the devil? Eve, what happened when she talked to the devil, had a conversation with the devil? Oh, man, he's a lot smarter, sweet talker than any of us. And he convinced her. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we would be. That fruit must taste good. It, would, it does look good. And it, it'll make us like God. Let me go talk to my husband. What happens when you talk to the devil? Who's going to win that? Who's better at being deceptive? You or the devil? He's way better. Don't talk to him. You've got no reason to talk to him. Especially when he, Jesus culminated the whole Sermon on the Mount by saying, Seek first, seek only, seek always me. If you're always seeking Christ, when do you have time to seek the devil? You don't. Seek him and he'll keep you on that right path. He'll keep you focused on the right things. He'll keep you with the right power. So stand firm in your faith knowing, look at this, that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brethren throughout the world. We already talked about that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation taking you but such a common man. 2 John, I want to say, 1 John 2, 16, which is another book I'm thinking we might go into next is 1 John, the, the books of John. I don't know. Y'all pray because next week we're starting a new book. And I'm not, I got three of them already to start, but I don't know which one yet. Four as of last night. But 1 John 2, 16. He said, uh, uh, even in, in prior to 15, you know, the, don't love the world or the things that are in the world. And he says, the lust, there's three ways you can be tempted. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are of the world. And those three ways are the ways Eve got tempted. Lust of the eyes, she saw the fruit was good. Lust of the flesh, ooh, it's going to be good for me. And the pride of life, it's going to be making me like God. And she blew off God's word and failed. You guys remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? He wasn't tempted three times. He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. But there's three temptations listed that he was tempted over and over and over again. And the first one, he had been fasting for 40 days. And if you've been fasting for 40 days, Nate, what would you want more than anything? So the devil came to him and said, if you're really who you say you are, turn those stones into food. Woo, what a good idea. That's God taking care of me. Yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. How are we? But he, Jesus fought him off with scripture. Jesus took the word of God and believed the word of God and used it to overcome the lust of the flesh. He devil took him up to a mountain, right? And what did he show him? You guys remember? What did he show him? The world. If, is there really a mountain you can go to where you can see the entire universe? Hey, Vicki, if the devil can take Jesus and show him what looks like the entire universe, what can he show us? <laughs> you think he'd have a hard time showing us something that looks really, really good? Yeah. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and had Jesus beat him, beat him again with scripture, obeying the word of God. Oh, and then the third one, remember he took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, oh, you know what? Come up here, come up here, Jesus. Jesus, come up there. Like, look at all those worshipers down there. If you jump, there's a scripture, and he misquoted scripture, Psalm 91 or 92, one of those, and he misquoted it, said, if you jump, the angels are going to come snatch you up and not you let you dash your feet upon a stone. And Jesus was like, <laughs> he fought him with scripture again, because that was not God's plan. 
he gave an option to try to get out of the crucifixion, to get out of all of that and have the easy way. He probably like to have his own way to salvation instead of God the Father's way, which was less painful or more painful. Jesus fought, Jesus was tempted in those same three ways, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. But he overcame all three of those by listening to the word of God. So if Eve failed by blowing him off, Ryan, and Jesus succeeded by following him, what do you think your game plan is? Yeah, follow the word of God. That's how Jesus won. And, and you have the ability to apply the word of God to your life. The devil can't make you do anything. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced in your brother. Everyone. How many of y'all have ever been uh, seen something you really like that God doesn't want you to have? Lust of the eyes. Anybody? Come on, man. Let me see your hands. No. All right, good, good. This is like keeping you awake because I'm just telling you right there. No. <laughs> Lust of the flesh. How many of y'all How many of y'all like want something for your body that God hasn't provided? Yeah. Like fitting in them pants from last year. I'm just joking about this before. The pre-COVID pants, you know. I want that, but I want tacos too. <laughs> but And then pride of life. Pride of life is just taking what God has said and you want something different. Anybody been there? Every temptation you face is going to be one of those three. You're not being tempted in a unique way. The devil likes you to think, oh, I'm the only one experiencing this. And then you have your little pity party and then you give in. That's not how it works. Only three. And the way you fight it off, Ryan, is how? With the Word of God. In context. So he says, man, every, you're, uh, you know what? Be encouraged knowing others are experiencing the same thing in the world. Last but not least, remember that God knows when to test you and he knows when to rest you. Hey, Mike, how long are your trials going to last? A, forever, or B, not forever? Yeah, not forever. Your trials aren't going to last forever. Yeah. Dude, I tried making it easy. <laughs> I should have gave the analyst a multiple choice question. All right. You're the fertilizer guy. You're just like, yeah, this is good. No, I'm messing with you, man. You're the chemist. All right. Remember that God knows when to rest you. He knows when to test you. Look at this last verse there. This last couple. He said, and after you have suffered for how long? For a while. How many of y'all said a little while is long enough? Y'all just had that COVID thing, right? And... Did you think it was a little while while you're in the middle of it? No, it's like, I'm, I, when were you done? How about after the first day? <laughs> you, you were done, but it wasn't done. <clears throat> and sometimes trials seem to last a whole lot longer. So he says, after you have suffered a little while, and in his time frame, it is a little while. It, who gets to determine how long you get to suffer? God and you. Because if you do it God's way, it's probably going to be shorter than if you do it your way. So have you ever had a time when God's had a plan for you and you, it took you a while to even catch on to his plan and you made it last longer than it should have lasted? So the sooner you submit to what God wants to do, the shorter it's going to last. So he said, <coughs> after you've suffered a little while, the God of all what? Oh, this is beautiful. The God of all what? Grace. grace. According to Philippians 2.13, I believe it is, grace is the desire and ability to do God's will. He's the God of all, what? The God of all? So if you need the ability, the desire and ability to do what God wants you to do, where's the only source of that? God. You, are you getting a picture here that he's your only source for everything? And, and he's the God of all grace. So whatever color grace you need, whatever smell or flavor grace you need, whatever size grace you need, whatever kind of grace you need, he's got it. 
and is adequate for everything. He's the God of all grace who has called you to his what? Yeah, so where's your home? Heaven. When you get done with this place for a little while, you will be in heaven. And will there be a Satan in heaven? There'll be no more suffering, no more Satan, no more sickness, no more separation. It will be perfection forever. John, will it be, will we have to try to find doctors that take our insurance in heaven and doctors that can do the right test to figure out what the heck's going on in our body? Will we have to do that in heaven? No, but we got to do it for a little while here. And if you ever stop to think that these doctors may not be able to figure it out because they, God has hooked it up for you to share the gospel with each one of them. You know, that's the way we've got to look at things right now. This is God moving the lampstand wherever it needs to be moved. So he has called us to see eternal glory in Christ. He himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I want to hit these last four things really quick. Restore. You know what that means? He's going to mend you. You think Peter knew anything about mending things? What would Peter have needed to mend? Nets. That's why he's using this. And in order to mend a net, Gary, what has to happen to a net? You have to be a yehu and throw it on a big old snook. And he rips it apart with his razor-sharp fins, right? You did something stupid, now you need to be mended. Or maybe you just went into battle and you need to be mended. Maybe it's part of maintenance. But he starts off and he says, you know what? When you get wounded in these battles, he says, Christ will mend you. He, that's one of the process, letting him mend you. What happens if you're not mended and you go back out? What, Gary, what happens if I don't mend that net and I go back out and throw it again? Dude, fish swim right through it. It doesn't do any good. Baseball pitcher, man, throws out his arm, and he doesn't let it heal. What happens next time he gets on the mound? Boom. It's gone again. you got to heal. And healing starts with mending, letting God mend your hurt. And so that's what he says. He himself will restore. That means mend. And so he's going he's gonna to fix you. And then when he says confirm you, you know what that means? That, that's, like, that's like physical therapy. You know, have you ever, anybody ever had physical therapy? Okay, you know, when you're, you're, they, they lift you up, what, do they just like say, get up out of that wheelchair and go? <laughs> Is that what they do? No. no, they help you up, right? You do that, right? And, and you help people walk when they need help walking until they develop enough strength to be able to do it on their own. That's what this process, first he's going to mend you, and this word confirm means he's going to hold you up, and he's going to, he's going to help you as long as you need help and can't do it on your own. And then he said he's going to strengthen you. Once he knows that it's time for you to be doing it on your own, he's going to give you strength where you can now do it on your own. And then now you're going to be established. Look at his process of healing that he has. But how many of y'all want to skip the mending part? How many of y'all want to just go from hurt to, to just doing it again on your own? But there's a process. He says, first, man, I'm going to mend you. Why don't you take some time and enjoy the mending time with Christ, that intimacy, and let him mend you. Let him walk with you, holding you up. Let him watch him start strengthening you. And, and, then, and then saying, all right, now you're full strength. I'm right here, paraclete, walking alongside you. It's my strength, but man, I've given you the strength. Now use it. That's what he wants to do. And Peter promises that he's going to do that. And look at this last verse we're looking at today. To him, so the one that wants to mend me, strength, stand me up, strengthen me, and, and basically make me functional again. To him be dominion. What does dominion mean? Authority, 
total authority. I, I never looked at this before, uh, but any other root words from dominion? Dominate. Yeah. Isn't that a cool word? When I say dominate, when somebody dominates somebody, what does that mean? Chris, when you hear the words dominated, I dominated that swordfish, you know, or I dominate. What does that mean? I won the battle. I have total control. They are under my control. They are under my authority. They, if I have dominant wrestlers, how many of y'all remember watching wrestling when it was real? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Come on, man. Ric Flair's got as many Super Bowl rings as Tom Brady, all right? <laughs> I'm just saying. But, but listen, man. It's like when somebody dominated somebody, it was like they were at their mercy, right? There was no... They were in total charge, total control of everything. And look what it says. Peter says to him, the, be the dominion. He's the dominator. Christ is the dominator. Have you ever thought of Christ as the dominator? Come on, let me hear your best Arnold Schwarzenegger voice and say, Jesus is my dominator. I know that's horrible. I know it's horrible, but help me out. Tell me how it's supposed to be. Jesus is my Oh, come on. All three of you. Help me. Man, my Jesus is my Yeah, he's my dominator. He's do is there anything that he's not in domination over? I just probably made that word up too, but that he's, he's, he's dominates everything. And if he dominates everything, but he gives us free will, what a privilege. Could he not dominate us, Ryan? Nikki, could he not just dominate us? But does he do that with you? Does he dominate you? Nikki, do this! <laughs> like you're doing, I was going to really get really, I was getting into this dominating thing, but Nikki, does he dominate you? No. Could he dominate you? Yes, but instead, what does he do? Come on, Valentine's Day, what does he do? He loves you. He could dominate you, but he loves you. And he's giving you every reason in the world to submit to the one who dominates everything else. Past, present, future. He's like, I'm in charge of it all, but I really want you to make the choice and love me. And do it my way. I don't want to dominate you, because then that's not love. Satan, he's beyond love, so I'm dominating him, and I'm dominating all these other things in your life. But I want you, who I could dominate, to love me and choose me. And I'm going to tell you, if you've never given him your love, if you've never understood the love he has for you, it says we only love him because he loved us first. But if maybe today, through some sick way, this has made sense, that, that he could dominate you, but he doesn't, and that's his love for you, maybe today you understand that he wants you and he wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Savior. He loves you and he wants to rescue you from hell. He wants to rescue you from the lion that's looking to devour you. And, and you have never given your life to him. You're like, dude, I don't, you know what? I, I, I don't think I ever have. And today you understand, man, he could dominate me, but he loves me. I want to pray that that love would draw you to him. How many of y'all are loved by Jesus? How many of y'all said it's the greatest thing in the world? How many of y'all ever got saved and got loved by Jesus and said, that's horrible. I don't wish I'd have never done that. I'm so sorry it's eternal. No, no. But most of us wish we had done it sooner. Man, if you've never given your life to the dominator, <laughs> give your life to the dominator and do it through love. 
He's got everything that would ever hurt you, ever harm you, ever get in the way of becoming who he wants you to be. He's got that all under his dominion. He loves you and he wants you. Those of you who have given your life to him, man, just continue to and keep paddling. Just keep paddling and realize on Valentine's Day that he loves you. And I didn't even plan that whole thing. You're like, yeah, I, I can tell if it's not that good. <laughs> but literally, he just spoke to me. He could dominate me, man. I'm just telling you, nobody else heard that. Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He could dominate me, but he's given me the choice. Because he wants me to love him. Because that's why he loves me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking. I pray that you spoke to each person here. I pray they heard from you and not me. Because... <laughs> uh, that's just not what it's about. It's about hearing from you, the dominator. <laughs> I've never really thought about you as being the dominator, but you are. And it's so awesome to know that the dominator loves me and doesn't want to dominate me. Doesn't want us to dominate other people. That's even what Peter said. We're supposed to do it out of love. That love's got to come from you. So, Father, I pray for whatever it is that you spoke to each person's heart today. I pray that we would take that. And I pray that we would obey it. We'd submit to it. And that we would grow more in love with you so we could grow more in love with others. And um, be the kingdom kids we're supposed to be and be the ambassadors we're supposed to be. And that you'd use us to take some more folks to heaven. Because evidently you're not ready for us to all go there yet. Last person's not saved. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know when it is. But Father, we know you want to use us for that. So, Father, use us as beacons of your love.